0: This is The Two-Point Conversation. Now, with your hosts, Chris and Hector. And the Oscar for Best New Podcast goes to The Two-Point Conversation. Okay, not really. (laughs) Welcome to The Two-Point Conversation, our Oscars edition. I'm Chris, and I'm here with my chum, Hector. How you doing, Chris? It's all good. Well, excited. Academy Award time. We're ready to kick some butt. This is the Super Bowl. (laughs) The Super Bowl of the film industry, for sure. I mean, this, this is. Everybody looks. Everybody who is into movies feels like this is the Super Bowl. It's like what is Super Bowl week? Everybody's like trying to catch up, maybe to. What plans are they going to do? Or maybe if you didn't see the season, you're going to check out the teams. Like, some people are still trying to catch up with the movies and all that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I haven't seen most of the films. I know you've been up my ass about it. And, well, it's my own fault. I admit it. I haven't had, like, the energies or the motivation to see most of them. I, I saw Dunkirk and I saw Get Out, which are two of them that are nominated for Best Picture. Before you tune out uh, from our show, people, bear with my boy here. <laughs> yeah, um, gotta be a little bit rusty, but oh well. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But, well, as we always know, the Oscars are a celebration of the year that was in film. 2017 was a pretty loaded year compared to 2016, uh, 2016, they it had it had their price, it had its price box. Oh yeah. But 2017, it was just loaded with talent and with tremendous films. It was jam packed. I mean, you had you uh, had a plethora of genres, of tones, of great acting. You you just you didn't know where to start with. And you have like musicals, you have drama. You you have your war films, sci-fi, and basically you know true stories, and you had it all, almost all of it. And well, in two twenty in two thousand sixteen, it was really a two horse race. There was really no chance for any other. You know, it was either La La Land or Moonlight. Moonlight. But other than that, the some of the other films really didn't have any chance. But this season, it's interesting because you don't know who's going to win. I mean, obviously, there is a trend among the awards that were given out before of who might be the favorite, but you still can't really put your finger on which one will win because there are some films that have been steady, like Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. It's been steady. But then you see, you know, The Shape of Water taking... Uh, uh, a second voice there and you see others like the Phantom Thread that that have gained a lot of momentum yeah a lot of more traction that's for sure And, and even and you see others like Get Out, Get Out is getting a lot of campaigning as well as Call Me By Your Name those two have a lot of campaign among people and then you see others like Lady Bird which started off pretty hot and it's died down a little bit but it's, it still remains rather consistent among the movie movie viewers. It's it's still there, and and you know you won't you won't really be surprised as to who might win if they announce one of the one of these movies, any one of these nine. If they announce it, it'll <laughs> feel justified for the most part. Yeah, in this category itself, it can be anybody's game for sure. Like this is truly a tight race especially when you when when your top your top leads are shape of water ladybird and hell three billboards outside of Evan, missouri it, it, it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a tight race right now three mm. billboards outside of Ebbing, missouri is the favorite it, it won most of the well, other awards in terms of best picture but I wouldn't be surprised if any one of the others one, like, for example, Phantom Threat is one that is really, really coming up. Like, everybody... Problem with that one is that it was a late arrival. Yeah. So, well, not a problem, but it was a late arrival, and that's why you see there's a lot of momentum. Because it has that sort of... And it was a brilliant film, and it, it, it has that momentum... And it might just sneak up and steal it. Much like what happened with a few years back with Spotlight and Mad Max. Oh. Everybody thought this was gonna be Mad, Mad Max, yeah. To to it was Mad Max's award to lose and then all of a sudden Spotlight comes in as a late arrival and it starts winning some awards and then you think, Oh boy, Spotlight could be could be a, a, a scene stealer here. And lo and behold, it happened. Yeah, it took the best picture award, that's for sure. I called that one, actually. Yeah, you did. I called it since I saw it. So, but mm-hmm. but, but that's the thing. I mean, you, you, you it's some, some one of those unexpected ones. Get Out is another one that has, like, that element of, like, it has a lot of public support. It does. But it also doesn't have public support it it has its fair amount of praise and detraction, and the thing Mm. is that it came out so early yeah january here's here's a perspective (laughs) here's a perspective when it came out spotlight was still the reigning best picture yeah it was still fresh in in people's minds and it was still fresh from its win and i'll tell you what if that one is announced as best picture that gets my vote for the most outrage it gets if it wins get out get out yeah of course it's gonna be because among people i know mm-hmm. that's the movie that everybody goes get that out? one's yeah that one was nominated <laughs> and i don't know why the question I, I i fully agree with it being nominated but i've heard a lot of really odd comments about it oh this is a nice movie for teenagers and stuff like that i've heard people talk like that the problem with the movie it's that you know it it deals with racial overtones. Mm-hmm. People don't want to say it. Most people do say it, but truth of the matter is, it deals with racial overtones. Like you know, you have your main protagonist is a black man going to his girlfriend's um family. They're mm-hmm. white, and you see all all the all the drama that's unfolding, and it's a very clever movie it's it really harkens back to the the psychological horror it, it's really it has a twist and turns the movie in itself it's original mm-hmm. and and that's something that people don't want to give don't want to say but the movie it's original it, and and if you if you have even a fraction of understanding of the mind of jordan peele yeah you're going to understand this movie that's something that's something that I, I, I kind of think people should look into a bit more. When you see a movie, think of the vision of the director, the director or the screenwriter. And there's a lot of this movie is a satire. People people forget. Get out is a satire. You know, it it, it really works on the mind of you know, like when you're exactly like you said, teenagers. When you're going to a, when you're meeting your girlfriend or your boyfriend's family for the first time, you get those tensions. Well, depending on who you are, of course. But it, it really is it it kind of tumbles between comedy horror, but it's mostly satire, man. And and I like and I like the diversity among the best picture nominees. Yes, now you think about Get Out. It's led by by an African American man, you know, and, and written and directed by an yeah, by Jordan a- Jordan Peele. Yeah. And then you got Lady Bird, which is led by mm-hmm. Greta Gerwig, uh, like Greta Gerwig and Sasha Ronan, and you know, Phantom Thread, of course, it's the great Daniel Day Lewis. Um, then you think you get Call Me by Your Name, which is, you know, a a, a gay love story. Uh, Darkest Hour, of course. A historical uh, film, a, a historical period piece, film, just like Dunkirk. <clears throat> And then you got uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is led by a woman in her sixties. Mm-hmm. Like that, that would that would have been unheard of many yeah. years <laughs> back. And then you got The Shape of Water, which is a monster movie. And one of the and that that movie, there's the reports saying that Guillermo del Toro kind of plagiarized a film. It, it kind of plagiarized it from a movie from 2014. It had like the same plot and everything. Um, if know. he plagiarized anything, he plagiarized himself <laughs> exactly. with the monster looking like Abe Sapien from Hellboy. <laughs> That's the only thing. And then you have uh uh you have The Post, which is, you know, uh, 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 a movie centric on on journalism and, yeah. and, and and that sort of thing. So so there's a lot of diversity and and I and I enjoy that and each one of these movies is, is good. Yeah, it has. Well, there, there isn't one that you think. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a nice nomination. No, they're all, all solid pictures. And one thing that I really enjoy about this particular group, each of them has its own personality. Right. They they they're so different from one another. Well, maybe with the exception of Darkest Hour and Dunkirk, because like you you explained to me, you know, yeah, they're uh, they're pretty I mean, much entangled with one another. Yeah, I mean, The Darkest Hour is pretty much a, a prequel to Dunkirk. Dunkirk, yeah. <laughs> so so there, there's that, and there's just so, you know, Well, we're going to touch a little bit later on about the other categories. We're just talking about the movies here. And I, I was pleased with 2017 in film as a whole. And, and there's a lot of other movies that, you know, weren't in there. I, Tonya was mm, one yes. that caught my attention the florida project you could even make the arguments for logan and wonder woman you know i think with logan i would actually say that logan yeah wonder woman i've seen it a couple of times you know more and i really i really don't think it really validates as a best picture film but in terms of the visual maybe the direction you know for petty jenkins i could see it work and if you stop and think about it if you i, I read this tweet and this is just fascinating to me mm-hmm. if you add i tanya to the best picture nominees you would have a representation of each decade like you Ooh. think darkest hour and dunkirk represents the 40s mm-hmm. Dark, uh, Phantom Thread represents the fifties. Um, in the in terms of the the sixties, it's I I think it's the Shape, shape of, of Water. water. Yeah. The sixties, the post represents the seventies. Call Me by Your Name represents the eighties. Tonya, would represent so the nineties. Yes, Lady Bird represents the two thousands, and of course, Get Out would represent the current decade we're in the twenty tens. And what about three billboards? And three billboards as well. Yeah. Three billboards represents this current decade. So there's that element of, of time. Yeah, it's very pre- prevalent here. So there there's just you know so much to choose from this year, and last year's list was 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 a good list. Mm-hmm. But you know, 2017. My hope for 2017 was for it to be better, and I think it was it really blew our expectations it really they it really came out firing a lot of diverse material there's something for every person for every moviegoer there's a, there's something you have your drama your comedy your your satire your, your science fiction your science fiction you you have a lot you have a lot of material well, to, to watch well these 15 minutes would not almost pass by without doing a mention for Blade Runner. Uh. <laughs> that, uh, 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 it hurts. It that, hurts. That, that, that might that might have been an omission, but it it was it was still part of the, see, that's how loaded it was. If if Blade Runner would have come out last year, it would have been nominated. It would have made the list for sure. Uh, I I'm not I'm not an expert in the Academy and how they think. I'm just going on a hunch here you know and interesting thing is that these movies what really make this movie these movies special is that they work on emotion they they're they're really emotionally driven films right there's not a lot of flashiness well for the exception of course of dunkirk but it's because it's a war war movie but outside of that there's not a lot of um flashiness i'm not a lot of you know, big budget effects or nothing like that. It's human drama at its finest. Indeed, it was. And I tell you, it's so, they're just so good, it's tough to really pick a winner. <laughs> so, well, we'll dive into our picks in our next segment. So, yes. we'll be right back after this quick break. So, I remember last year somebody poked fun at me for doing a live blogging of the Oscars saying, you're spamming with movies I haven't even heard of. Wow. Um, maybe and, maybe you should bother watching those <laughs> films? You know, that, that, that kind of turned into a food for thought for me because I did that research, That a thread I tweeted recently about Best Picture nominees... And whether they were top ten highest grossing, mm-hmm. none of last year's and none from this year were top ten grossing. Yeah, that's true. I at least this year I, I kind of follow your your investigation in this this year, two thousand seventeen. The top ten were mostly superhero films, animated movies, and what was it? Nostalgic sequels. Nostalgic sequels Nostalgic like sequels. Jumanji. Ugh. Well, it it. More like a remake, but More yeah, like a remake, yeah. yeah. But that's the trend we're looking at. So oh, superhero fatigue. Huh? Well, well, yeah, superhero is uh, for a general audience. It's reach fatigue, but I can't blame them. <laughs> and and people aren't seeing the nominated ones for best picture. And there's a lot of factors. It's not just people's interests. And what projects are out there. Because now we're in an era where remakes and sequels I of nostalgic films are taking over. And there aren't many original ideas. And the original ideas that people are ignoring are usually the ones nominated. Or being nominated, yeah. And since they're being ignored, people don't watch it. Like, for example, during this decade, in the 2010s, only one, two, three, four. Four movies, four movies have been nominated for Best Picture, and were in the top ten grossing. Toy Story 3 and Inception in 2010. Yes. Gravity, 2013. Uh-huh. And The Martian, three years ago. Wow. <laughs> and in 2011, 2012, 2014, last year, this year, mm-hmm. none, zero. Damn. And you know since the Heath Ledger rule was instituted, you know, that change where instead of five Best Picture nominees, mm-hmm. it would maximize up to ten. Yeah. It's gotten worse when it shouldn't have gotten better. It, they, you know, uh, there's a lot of the... They should have had... You know, they did this to add some of the more popular movies after what happened with The Dark Knight in 2008. Yeah. And they haven't even... Move the finger to do that. And they're not gonna. <laughs> That's so strange. <laughs> they're, not, they're not gonna. So, the okay. last top-selling movie to win Best Picture was 2003, The Lord of the Rings, Return <laughs> of the King. That's the last one. And in in the 90s, and not just the 90s, but from 1987 to 2003, mm-hmm. there was at least one top-ten grossing film among the best picture nominees and in the 70s like I mentioned to you off air Mm -hmm. in the 70s there was two or more so back in the 90s in the 80s and the 70s and a little bit in the 2000s very little people people would watch those best picture nominees well but taking consideration that maybe it wasn't a lot of the proliferation that there is right now in terms of, you know, almost anyone can make a movie like technology isn't in as advanced as it is right and, now. And it used to be that to watch a movie in the 70s, maybe in the 80s, not so much in the 90s, but still the way you watch a new movie would be you go to the theater <laughs> and you have no other way of doing it. You have to go to the theater. You know, these days... There's so many choices. You know, there's the streaming services. There's Netflix. There's Hulu. There's Blu-rays. There's the cable channels, you know, HBO, Showtime. Yeah, the video on demand. Yeah, you have the, the red boxes, all so, that stuff. So maybe, you know, maybe that that's a factor, definitely. Mm-hmm. But it also creates a sort of a divide, right? Like, only people who are... I, I'm just... I'm doing the quotation signal here. <laughs> Air quotes. Air quotes. Exactly. <laughs> you would have to be some sort of a savant of film to know these nine nominations. I'm talking, for example, this year. The casual fan, the casual moviegoer, a person who likes movies just to have fun, doesn't know about Call Me By Your Name or. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I know people just want to be entertained. Most of them, you know, you want to go to the film just to have a good time. You don't go there to, you know, to start thinking. You know, like plot points or the the characters' motivations. But that's that, always uh, been that's always been the motivation. But the thing is that there's a disconnect between a think piece. And entertainment. There's there isn't a gray area. Yeah. Like for example, Rocky won Best Picture 1976. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) Ayo. It won Best Picture 1976, but that one was a gray area between a good movie, a good story, and entertainment. Entertainment. Yes, it's very tough to see that now. And if you think of the movies that are nominated this year, it's tough to find a, a, a gray area between the ones that are nominated this year. And truth be told, most of the entertainment ones are over flooding, you know, like the the, the whole market. You have right. the superhero films, you have a lot of the raunchy comedies, right the animated films, which it's not all of them, there are a couple of them that are gems, but you know, there's a, they're just crapping a lot of animated films, a lot of runchy comedies, like I said, um, superhero films. Um, I don't know, it's over flooded, and the true thinking piece gets lost in translation. You know, a movie like Blade Runner to uh, 2049, it wasn't a commercial success, but it's slowly getting is recapturing the. Right, the praise of the old fa- of the fans of the old film. Right, no, and, and I think the there's just there's nobody to blame. Obviously the the academy the academy has been a little out of touch oh, with yeah. some of these things, but there's really no one to blame. There's just there has got to be a connect to all those. So with all that being said, let's let's do picks. You want to do picks? Let's sure, do picks. let's do picks. All right, let let's talk um best. Let, let's do some of the acting ones. Alright. Let's do some of the acting ones. Uh, best Supporting Actress. Let's do Best Supporting Actress. Best Supporting Actress? actress? Alright. That, that that there's a lot of competition there. Yes. Even though Alison Janney, which is going to be my pick for this one, she has pretty much secured this one. Mm-hmm. But damn if the others <laughs> aren't deserving. Uh, Laurie Metcalf- well deserving of it as well as Mary J. Bleich, Leslie Manville, Octavia Spencer, but Allison Janney just took the cake in I Tanya. But you you told me you know off the air that you were very impressed with Leslie Manville. Leslie Manville, the interesting thing about her is that she did deserve the nomination, mm-hmm. but v- Vicky Krebs was snubbed. Vicky Krebs was the opposite of Daniel Day Lewis okay. right, in Phantom Thread. Leslie Manville the performance in terms of her speaking isn't what got her the nomination, but her her expressions. She has the deathly stares Ooh. in <laughs> that movie. Even though I think Vicky Krebs deserved the, the nomination mm-hmm. because she was just Daniel Day Lewis's equal in every sense in that movie. But Leslie Manville also deserved it because of her face act. Well, I would go for Allison Janney. I haven't seen I, Tanya, but I'll I'll get myself around to seeing it. Yeah, Alison Janney was just – she was the – she delivered lines excellently in that movie as Tanya Harding's mother in that movie. <laughs> so Best Supporting Actor. The, this one, whew. All of the performances were great. But this is Sam Rockwell's to lose. You think? Oh, Sam Rock, well, his character is not a character that's loved. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it's one that really brought a lot of controversy. That's for sure. But his performance was just so superb. And Willem Dafoe, a shout out to Willem Dafoe. His performance, well, simple, he was the emotional he was one of the emotional components of The Florida Project. All right. He was like the steadying hand. And you feel sorry for his character, but you feel that his character is important. Richard Jenkins and Woody Harrelson were just, you know, cogs in their particular films. And hey, Christopher Plummer, man. You know, talking about a guy who came at bat after the whole Kevin Spacey, you know, at the cluster clock, you know. It's kind of it's surprising that Ridley Scott just said, I want I want a Christopher Plummer from the uh, from the get go. I got Kevin Spacey. He got in trouble. All right, let's go with my first pick, Christopher Plummer. Boom, reshoots. Boom, boom, boom. There you go. That was a pinch hit grand slam in the ninth. That family, was a, that was impressive. And, and in a matter of weeks, he had the reshoots in a matter of weeks. And. Look at, look at it now. The, for that alone, he deserves it. <laughs> for that alone, he deserves that it. That was amazing. And only in the two-point conversation you get the expression cluster cluck. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let, uh, give me your best actress. Best actress. Hmm. Wow. This one. Oof. Um, you know, I would say Frances McDormand. Well, Frances McDormand is the overwhelming favorite, Um, Sally Hawkins, she was so good in The Shape of Water. She was so good. She didn't even speak a word, but she was so good. Sasha Ronan is the one that a lot of people are kind of pulling for, you know, because she's young, she's on the come up, and her character is so brilliant in Lady Bird. And also relatable, and relatable, exactly. Frances McDormand, she's a force of nature, man. Yes, definitely. You, you, you just, she's unstoppable. She's great at everything she does, and in this movie, she's just. We're not saying anything that are shocking people, really, yeah. but <laughs> you know, Margot Robbie as I Tonya, she has Tanya Harding down, so I've heard. She's. So I've heard. And Meryl Streep. Well, Meryl Streep. Uh, she's. It's Meryl Streep. Come on. Yeah, she's Tom Brady. She's LeBron. <laughs> she gets to this point every year. This is. She is. She is terrific in the post. I loved her in the post. But I. I think Frances McDormand. She's won most of the best actress awards, and I don't think this one will be an exception. So it's unanimous, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now moving on to the best actor. Ooh. There is a lot. There, there is competition here. Oh, skip, skip. There's competition here. Gary Oldman is the favorite to finally win his first Oscar, but he's lost a little, just a little momentum. But there's a lot of campaigning by the public for Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. Yeah, there's a lot of campaigning mm-hmm. for him. And it's, it's a good award season for him because he was also in Lady Bird. Man, you, and you got Denzel Washington. <laughs> and Daniel Day-Lewis is always going to be on the lookout when he's nominated. You just can't he's shake him. He's a force, him. man. He's a force. You can't shake him. You can't shake him. And Daniel Kaluuya is an interesting pick here because the same way Get Out had some sort of reaction – He's gotten some sort of reaction. Oh, Daniel Kaluuya mm. was good, but I don't think he deserved the nomination. Well, he really knocked it out of the park. He sure did. He knocked it he out, sure out of the park. Did. And I think Gary Oldman wins. He's been winning the other awards. But I think he wins because his performance is what drives the movie, Darkest Hour. So this is going to be this year's Leo DiCaprio? Apparently. <laughs> and if, you know, if not for his performance... The movie would drag a little bit, All right. Darkest Hour, but it it was a terrific film. I'm not taking anything away from it, but his performances was elevated it to even being nominated. So who do you got? I got Gary Oldman. I would go with, surprisingly enough, Daniel Day Lewis. He might take it. He might he might pull the rug from under Gary Oldman. Definitely, <laughs> poor bastard. <laughs> All right, now moving on to Best Director. Okay, here, we're going to do a sports question with this one. Who do you got, Guillermo del Toro or The Field? Bro, I got Guillermo del Toro. (laughs) It it, it would be surprising if anybody else took it. And I so want Christopher Nolan to win it. I so want him to win it. I know. (laughs) The campaign is strong with him. The campaign is... Well, it's not really strong. It's Dunk, your campaign. My campaign is strong. Yeah. But, you know, Dunkirk has been very undervalued during the award season. And this would be a terrific uh, slap in the face to the critics. It w- No, I say it would be a terrific reward for the patience of not having won anything, really. But... No, Guillermo del (laughs) Toro, he he had a clean sweep of all the awards. Yep. And unless the Oscars wants to do, like, a hold my beer type of thing. (laughs) Guillermo (laughs) del Toro is going to take it. So Guillermo del Toro or the field, I think it's Guillermo del Toro. Best director, Guillermo del Toro. Wait, there was a mistake. It was Greta Gertweck. That would be awesome. (laughs) I mean her Lady Bird was just fantastic. And well to summarize this, we are going to the last one that we're gonna talk about and that would be Best Picture. <sighs> it's tough to pick a winner. And you know what, what the weird part is? That it's it's not very often that best director and best picture are not the same. I mean we saw we saw it with we we see it all the time and uh, you know in the in the few cases for example 2009 Catherine Bigelow and The Hurt Locker Catherine Bigelow won best director and The Hurt Locker won best picture and it, they usually come attached yeah uh, i i mean you know you think about uh, a few years back you think of you know um Iñárritu mm yes And Birdman. Birdman, yeah. You think think of those, but... The Shape of Water... uh, I think uh, Guillermo del Toro has it on lockdown. Do they make it a... Do they double down? I think so. I I think that... I think The Shape of Water might be the clear-cut winner. But... But... I wouldn't be surprised if Phantom Thread pulls the rug from... Under it. I think Phantom Threat has the ability to pull the rug from under. But I think it'll be from under three billboards outside Epic, Missouri. Ooh. And like I said <laughs> before, if Get Out wins, it'll be a lot of outrage. A lot of people didn't like that movie. so Well, too bad for them. Now, <laughs> will we have a repeat of last year? Yeah, I hope not. Can you imagine? And the best picture goes to looks at the envelope. Looks at the envelope. Where's the envelope? Uh, <laughs> three billboards, and everybody starts celebrating. And Martin McDonough comes up and, and, and starts saying a speech about, you know, dreams come true. And the, I want to thank everybody who's worked on this project. And then he stops talking. He starts looking around. There's a lot of people in headphones behind him, headsets. And, and he says, "Well, we just lost, by the way." And <laughs> then, and then he, you he, see people scrambling. Uh, There's been a mistake. Get out! You won Best Picture. Whoa, it's not a joke. Damn. It's not a joke. And then Mark Mc <laughs> snatches the, snatches away the, the, and it says, "Get out, Best Picture." And then everybody starts celebrating and going off. And <laughs> <laughs> that would be that be hilarious. You know. Uh, I, I was talking to somebody about that, and I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that, but in jest and staged just for the lulls of uh, it. J- just to get that, that reaction, that tasty reaction from the audience. All right. <laughs> All right. Let, 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 let's put over under a quick over-under here. 10.5 times they joke about last year's blunder in the show. I say, over. Oh, they're going to go over ten times talking about, joking the, about the thing. Yeah, they're going to go over for sure. Should be a fun show. Oh, who's actually hosting the the Academy Awards? <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel. Again? Of course he's going to do it. Of course. <laughs> he's going to do it. So, well, that's our Oscar special. Oh, yeah. For my chum Hector, thank you for listening. Enjoy the Oscars. We'll be with you next time on the Two Point Conversation.